In conclusion, All-Star Weekend is a land of contrasts. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Monday to you. I am Howard Megdahl, editor and founder of The Next, uh, bringing you women's basketball every day from our staff at Locked On Women's Basketball. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. And reminder that you can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts. The price is free. I would also encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the next Women's Basketball Newsroom. We cover 24-7, 365. It's $9 a month, $72 a year. And all the revenue goes to the writers, editors, and photographers who are doing this work. And we had plenty of them at All-Star Weekend. Uh, we had James Kay, who joins us, who is our Chicago Sky Beat reporter, but was in fact our all-star beat reporter, writing about all the sights and sounds. We also had Jackie Powell, Kathleen Deer, bringing you all the action. So it was a very interesting weekend, James. But as per my intro up top, we're going to talk about the things that worked. We're going to talk about the things that didn't. We're going to think about the things that need to be changed moving forward. So first of all, just... Let's start on a happy note. What's the like single image that you're going to take away the most, which I'm sure people are going to have the opportunity to see in that upcoming sights and sounds piece, which you're going to be able to read later today over at the next just as soon as I go ahead and get it edited. <laughs> well, first off, Howard, thanks for having me on the show. Um, the thing that I'm, I'm glad that we're starting off on the positive end. I know there's a lot of negative feedback that the league has received over this past weekend. And I do think as a community that the WNBA fandom and media, we should celebrate the wins as much as we can and celebrate them more than we do now, honestly. And the thing that I'm going to take away from this past weekend is not, I think Sylvia Fowles' dunk. I mean, I, I, it felt like I was in the finals again from last year when Sylvia Fowles threw down that one-handed slam mm -hmm. and both benches erupted, the fans. I mean, there was over like 9,500 fans at Wintrust Arena. So I think they fill out like just over 10,000 to be like at full capacity. So it, it was loud in there. Sylvia Fowles threw down that dunk, and that's going to be one of the things that I remember. But the other one is hearing the PA announcer say, for the last time checking into the all-star game, Sue Bird, um, that it, that really hit me. I was like, oh, wow, we're really going to be in a world next year where Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles are not playing basketball for the WNBA. So I think those are the two things that stick out to me. But yeah, Sunday was an enormous success. And I hope that everyone who was in attendance felt the same way because I thought it was an A-plus experience. It certainly came across that way on TV. I, I liked a lot of things uh, that I was able to see visually. Uh, in terms of the camera work, I thought it was really well done. was excellent. Uh, you, you know, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest gaps between men's and women's basketball is the, let's say, median level broadcast quality. And what you see out of the cameras, what you see out of the broadcast team, you know, all of that. And so 
seen when women's basketball has showcase events that are indistinguishable in that level of seriousness from the men's game, I think is significant as well. But to hear that it was this way in the arena uh, is wonderful uh, to see. Sue Bird, somebody who, and, you know, it blows my mind. You just think about it. Sue Bird is somebody who played in the league at the same time that Rebecca Lobo played. You know, this is, in a lot of ways, these are the last links to the very start of a league that is 26 years old, but it is still now 26 years old. You know, that is a significant chunk of time. And, you know, still, still don't, and that's great. And the flip side of that, of course, is that Sue is uh, somebody who didn't dunk, uh, only still dunked. Uh, but <laughs> I think that was okay. I think that was okay just the same. Uh, in terms of uh, the way that BG was honored, um, take me through just your thoughts about it. Do you think it was an effective way of doing it? it you know, I, 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 my frame for this is there really is no... Uh, there's no guidebook for this, right? We don't know the right way to go about honoring a person who's been taken prisoner in Russia. Thank God there has not been a lot of precedent for this. How did you think about the way it was done within the arena? I think even throughout the entire weekend, the league had a perfect balance of celebrating the league, making sure that this was a joyful occasion while also putting out the message that Brittany Griner needs to come home. And one of the most powerful moments of the weekend that I wrote about for the next in that Sights and Sounds piece that you mentioned at the top of this was Al Sharpton, Neka Agumike, Sue Bird, and Terry Jackson, and um, Sherelle Griner as well. They all had a press conference before all the events that all the sponsored events that the players would end up hosting themselves. Um, it was a tough thing just to hear, like, still having to be at this point where we have, there's been so many symbolic gestures and obviously the the pressure that's been put on this current administration to try to get this going a little bit faster on Brittany Griner's side to get her home. But it was really powerful just to hear Al Sharpton speak, hearing NECA call Brittany Griner an American hero, someone that they, it was, honestly, it was a shift in tone than what we've been hearing for the last couple of months, just saying that, just hearing th that group of people just thank the administration for trying to facilitate prisoner swap or just trying to get the process going a little bit more. And it, I think after that though, like they, they did it in a tasteful way. Like they, again, having br the players come out in the second half wearing Brittany's Jersey with, you know, her name on the back and, 42 on the back of their jerseys. Um, I think they did it in a very tasteful way and they didn't overdo it, but they also didn't undersell the message of like, this is a focal point for us and it's always going to be in the top of our minds. And that's reasonable. I, again, it is very hard for me. I've covered so many of those all-star games through the years in person. Uh, I remember the first all-star game I covered was actually 2015 and encountering Brittany Griner in uh, Mohegan Sun, just walking around. And she was just just a big smile on her face, just having the time of her life. And it wouldn't have occurred to, I think, any of us that this is what you'd be looking at in 2022. So it's a, a somber tone to it. I'm encouraged that 
Phil Richardson is being specially designated as an envoy to go over there. Uh, I hope that is something that leads to a positive outcome. I think it's almost impossible to be able to handicap it. Anyone who says, geez, I know it's going to be over soon, or I know it's going to be over in years, for the same reason that there is no playbook for the WNBA, there's no playbook for really any of this specific to, even if you try to isolate uh, Russian prisoner swaps, uh, many of those, most of those happened before the invasion of Ukraine. So I, I just think there's continued efforts uh, to highlight it. We're certainly going to cover it, you know, here at the podcast and at the next, every, every bit of news there is. And I, I think beyond that, it's just as a human to simply hope, hope against hope that this all comes to pass. So I, I agree. And it was mixed in well. I didn't feel like it took away from the celebratory tone, but it didn't feel discordant, at least from a distance with the celebratory tone. So I was happy about that. Um, in terms of the overall celebration itself, and, and again, on the second half of this sh show, we're going to get into some things that didn't work specifically on uh, uh, All-Star Saturday. But you left there feeling what about the league when you when you walked away after Sunday? I don't think my opinion entering the weekend versus what it ended up being changed all that much. I know that I know that there are media people like media members that have struggled to cover the league and that there's all these different things that get in the way of covering the league sometimes that you know we experienced at the All-Star game or I should say during All-Star game weekend um so my opinion of the league didn't change too much look this is a young league we're talking just 26 years in with not even having any stabilized leadership of any kind, really. You know, like we're talking about a league. I mean, look, I think about Kathy, honestly, and I know that she's drawn, gotten a lot of cr criticism. And there was one moment particularly that I really took offense to in terms of the gun violence that was brought up and blaming incidents in Chicago for that. Um, that's something that people locally here really take um, really take seriously and we get offended by any time people bring it up from the outside. But mm -hmm. I don't think my opinion changed too much because, and look, Kathy has moved the needle with this so far. Like she had, to, she's dealt with a lot of, she's dealt with a lot of obstacle obstacles, like with the pandemic and trying to deal with two different types of ownership. One that is wanting to spend a lot of money, and the other ones that don't have the same resources as the other group. So, um, I don't think my opinion of Kathy changed all too much. It didn't my opinion of the league didn't change all too much, and. I just think they're going to be hiccups when you've only hosted 18 of these and now in a new location like Chicago that honestly, they're going to be hiccups in when you're trying to figure all this out. So yeah, I, I do think that the league, I don't know if it tried its best. I know that they said they were been planning this since October based on the way it was organized. I have a really hard time imagining that, this was actually starting to get things going in October mm -hmm. and it was nothing out of the ordinary. It wasn't anything that I didn't expect, honestly. I, I, which is all fair and all reasonable. And I agree with you. Look, the league also has to try new things if it's going to move beyond what it has done and what it has been already. Right. So that is important, but we're going to get into 
why some of those things were problematic. And again, you know, to your point, and uh, I found it uh, offensive as well. Um, but first, I want to talk to you about betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Uh, notably to me, they even had a line for the WNBA All-Star game. Uh, it's something that is significant and something we talked about a lot on this program, the ancillary things, the ways in which this landscape needs to reflect women's sports in the same way it does men's sports, okay? And so Bet Online does it. So I feel comfortable saying it's for all your sports needs, right? It's the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this offseason. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, you know, you're, you're going to talk about what it was like to be in the room and part of it as well. But R.M. Adler highlighted some of these things. And I think the place you might want to start is the skills challenge and three-point contest, not being open to the public, essentially. Um, we're just kind of taking the reporting and putting it together. If, in fact, the lead had Chicago lined up since last fall, and if we take Kathy at her word on that, then they had eight, nine months to be able to figure out a venue where it could have been. Now, I understand you did some digging as well uh, to find some places in Chicago beyond Wintrust Arena, which in the lead has told me this as well, Wintrust Arena was not available because of a pampered chef convention. So, okay, fine. So that's where you are. What then, you know? Yeah, I looked on the United Center's website after a reporter told me that they had called a representative at the UC to see if it was open. And it was open this past weekend. Um, the United Center isn't all too far away from Wintrust Arena. I know there's a lot of fans and media members who were at hotels around that area. So I know it can be difficult to get around Chicago sometimes, like in certain areas, but DL is there. You can make it work. Um, you might have transferred trains at a certain point, but you could have made it work at the United Center where, I mean, if the NBA supports the WNBA the way that the league says it does, I don't, I don't know how that couldn't have been like one of the top replacements um, for this spectacle. And for it to be hosted in a practice facility just across the street, like I get it from proximity uh, from a proximity perspective, but at the same time, it's like, how do you not have a three point contest and the skills challenge be open to the public that is a part of the all-star game experience and all-star weekend experience, I should say. And to me, it was a huge swing in the miss because the second we stepped in to the practice facility, you could tell that the fans, I mean, it just wasn't going to be enough noise in there to make it feel like we were a part of something that was an all-star game event. Usually you have a crowd screaming their heads off and it's like thousands of people. It just wasn't like that in it, the building. It wasn't like that on TV either. And okay. uh, the visuals, the optics for a thing that ultimately, yes, you you're, you have two primary goals as I see it for an event like that. And one of them is to provide uh, excitement, fun access to as many of your fans as possible. 
And then the other is it's a showcase. It's a showcase on TV, on national TV for the event. But funny story about uh, the national TV part. Um, not really. Not really so much on national TV. Um, if you tuned in, uh, it was not from ESPN. It was ESPNU uh, because Wimbledon went over and it was uh, moved as a result of that. Wimbledon, in case you were wondering, has been around a while and easily foreseeable that you could potentially have it run over. Uh, I ended up watching on the ESPN app. Again, you know, you're searching, you're trying to find it. Why? Why am I searching? Why am I trying to find it on the Saturday? It's, uh, you know, should be available for that on the ESPN Family of Networks. Somehow, every NBA Summer League game ends up on the ESPN Family of Networks as planned without there being any sort of issue. And having to Wait, but wasn't singles over at that point? It eventually, as I understand it, and, I, and so I didn't end up watching on ESPN, but other people in our uh, newsroom did. Uh, it, it ran until about 3.53, and then they just moved right to NBA Summer League. It's not like they even gave it the last seven minutes on ESPN. So, you know, there are further complaints that the league didn't stream it on the WNBA app. Uh, I am sympathetic to the league's perspective on this because I don't think you necessarily could have. I don't know contractually what they were able to do or not do. Uh, but ESPN um, can either make it an event that matters or not. And this just goes back to... Just my feeling in general, you and I, I am an old in a way that you are not, but uh, I think even you can remember a time where NBA Summer League was a thing that like really didn't matter to very many people. It was this like hyper insider event. Maybe you get some streams, you know, maybe you'd see an occasional thing. And ESPN a few years ago clearly made the decision that we're going to build our summer programming around summer league and they did this not before the wnba came into existence not before they had a current contract with the wnba we've seen what happens when espn goes all in and so it makes it so much more frustrating when they don't do that for the wnba which predates it which arguably and i guess this is a bias here but i'm somebody who loves basketball i'm nothing against men's basketball quite the contrary i've covered the men's league for many years, but the NBA summer league does not matter in a way that the WNBA regular season does. One set of games doesn't count. One set of games does. One set of games is made up largely of people who aren't even going to play in the NBA proper. One set of games is going to determine seeding for the WNBA playoffs. One set of games involves some really interesting young players and some not so interesting young players. And one set of games involves Sue Bird's final season and Sylvia Fowles' final season and possibly Candace Parker's final season. That just seems like a, like a no-brainer to me. And so, yeah, I get, I get mad about it whenever I see it. And if you want to get, I've tweeted this out, when you want to get people around the WNBA to curse, you send them a picture of ESPN's email that goes out that says, Every NBA Summer League game televised on the ESPN family of networks. So with that as context, seeing it get bumped is enraging, enraging. But all right, so that's ESPN. So let's put ESPN to the side for a minute. We'll come back to them at the end of the TV broadcast. And I just want to talk about the fact that it was so difficult to access this event. Was this a one-off or like, Take me through, what was the orange carpet like, which is an event that I've covered in the past? So the orange carpet I found to be 
really uncomfortable as a media member. Like it was in this really small room. It kind of looked like it was put together at the last second. Um, the lighting was really bad outside of like the orange carpet itself. Mm-hmm. The I actually thought the W did a pretty good job in like having. I think it's like um, organizing the interviews and making sure that most of the players were able to get to their spots. But even then, like we was split off into like multiple scrums at one point and you have to make a decision as a reporter. Like, am I going to talk with Ariel Atkins or Kelsey Plum? And it's like, I want to talk to both. And if it was organized and a little bit more, we could have been able to do that. Um, But yeah, it was just, it was claustrophobic. I mean, the league talked about wanting to keep events outside, but then Everyone in the room wasn't wearing a mask, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it it just it was a really claustrophobic event. And it just it was hard to see over the first row of people who were I don't know. I'm not sure all of them were media members. I'm I'm assuming they are. But I know there was a lot of family members and friends there. So mm-hmm. it was hard to do our jobs at a certain point. And I think a lot of people we're talking about how they're frustrated, like how the pictures came out too, because of how, if you didn't get the, like just the, the backdrop of the WNBA logo and the orange carpet, that if you looked off to the side, like it was just like, it looked like it was pitch black in there. Um, so the orange carpet I thought was, they didn't put it together and present it in a way uh, that made it sense for an event like that. And, Is it market-based? The reason I asked is, and so I'm wearing this hat that was our media giveaway in 2018, uh, which I covered that. I actually covered that with my daughter, uh, brought her to Minneapolis. And Carly Knox and the Lynch put on uh, what was honestly a spectacular orange carpet event. uh, That was, among other things, uh, the great Ari Chambers, friend of the show's uh, breakout performance first thing she did on camera for the WNBA. But I digress. It was outdoors. It was outside of Target Center. Uh, and it was it was terrific. And so at odds with what you're describing here. And I know you're every time you're on the ground, you have a different set of logistics. And, uh, you know, even things like media availability. Uh, the league, I think, does a really solid job at the league level of getting us the people we need at these big time events. So does this come down to, and and I ask this with no prejudice involved, but um, does this come to a limitation of the Chicago sky uh, and what they do and their footprint? You know, I don't think that this was an issue with the Chicago sky this weekend. Honestly, I, the league really took the reins on this one. And I know that the sky helped out. They were asked to help out on the PR side, but they're already not like their PR person is already away from the team right now. And they're doing a lot of things that are, they're just trying to figure things out right now um, Mm -hmm. on that side of things. So I don't blame them at all. I think they're doing it actually a tremendous job this year. And I do think this was, this does come down to the league more than it comes down to the sky by a lot. I want to talk about some things Kathy said, because we would not be doing our jobs uh, if we didn't address it, I do want to first talk to you about Rock Auto. <laughs> My car's in the shop right now, right now, and uh, I can't get a straight answer about what's wrong with it. But when I do, right, they're just going to order the parts. They're just going to order the parts. Well, if you go to RockAuto.com and you can save on the markup, you can save on everything by getting the parts that you need, because they'll tell you 
situation by situation and car by car exactly what you need. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they're reliably low prices for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Uh, When you see me at New York Liberty versus Las Vegas Aces this week, thank Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Fingers crossed, James. RockAuto.com. I just am going to point this out. I'm just going to read this if I can. There was a Chance of the Rapper concert. It was not open to fans. This is the quote. We would love to open that up to the public because of security concerns dating way back to Mandalay Bay, dating to other things that have happened here in Chicago and Uvalde and Buffalo. And there's a lot of concern about outdoor events right now, unfortunately, in our country. So we're just trying to do the best we could. We always wanted to have WNBA Live, the music and the basketball and culture and food and art, things that bring culture together. So this has been planned for quite some time. And it was just because of all the security concerns across this country that we couldn't open it totally to the public. As a Chicagoan, your thoughts? One of the things immediately off the bat when she said that, um, to not mention Highland Park after they'd just gone through a tragedy, literally just miles away from the Sky's practice facility, um, and then just blame it on Chicago, which has been like the gun violence in Chicago. Um, just blame it on the city, which is a tactic that conservative conservatives use to, to say like, well, we, there's no way to like police gun right. violence in big cities because look at Chicago. It's like that. That's a message that conservatives use that. Greg um, Abbott uses it all the time. The governor of Texas. It's when your messaging borrows from Greg Abbott and you are the commissioner of a progressive league that is 80% women of color, you've got a problem. And a lot of people looked around like the room after she said that being like, did did that actually just happen? But let's not, let's just put that to the side for a second. They said it was a security problem in a WNBA all-star weekend. We can't get enough security and to police some of this stuff. I mean, the WNBA live event, from my understanding, was that there was a ton of security there. They had things locked down. And it was, I mean, again, like people like who even like were perfectly fine in terms of like being credentialed to get in, had a hard time getting in because of the security. So that also was a little bit of a red flag. But again, it's, if it's a security issue, like how do you not have the resources to get security? I think there's so many different ways in which they could have made that happen that it's like, so instead of, I don't know, like sometimes I wonder how much the league values its fans sometimes. And this was definitely one of those moments. I know that there's a lot of people who are upset about it. And great. The All-Star game itself was, again, amazing. And I think the league did a great job with it and making it such a great fan experience. But everything outside of that, I just, there was a lot of shortcomings there. It's so aggravating at an event that should be allowing you to feel like the fans are special had this many red flags that went alongside of it. And so 
I am disappointed to hear it. You know, I think it's, this is the age old struggle that we're always going to have in women's sports, which is that we're going to look at how do we celebrate the things that happened and that are great while at the same time uh, that we don't fail to push for the things that need to get better. And so to bring it full circle, I just, maybe I'm just immersed in it, but you would think ESPN would be too. We get to, Sylvia Fowles and Sue Bird checking out of the game. First of all, at the same time, instead of why not have a moment for one and a moment for the other, you know, just sort of kind of these like basic things where like you want to treat it the same way. Uh, but first of all, you know, in that broadcast moment, as a result, oh man, you, you gave ESPN the choice. They got to focus on one or the other. Shocker. It was all about Sue in that moment. And there was a brief shot of uh, Sylvia Fowles, you know, again, I think it is a difficult thing to assert, to prove bias in a particular decision. Uh, Risa Isar did a really important thing uh, doing the research on the issue that race plays in the way coverage happens. And I think that's the way it has to be measured. It has to be measured in a comprehensive way over time. And then it's unmistakable. And then when you kind of drill down, well, you have to make better decisions in individual moments in order to fix that. Well, this is an individual moment where you have the opportunity to fix it. It's an individual moment where it's easy. It's easy. Sill is the best five in the history of the league. Sue is the best one in the history of the league. They're both retiring. They're both similar legends in any measurable way. If you're not finding a way to have your coverage reflect both, then it's problematic. And I say that as somebody who just this week, we're, I'm talking to Tony East, who covers uh, – in the Indiana fever for us. Uh, Tony's doing a piece and come out this week about Sue's last game in Indiana. Tony's also doing a piece, a separate one about Sill's last game in Indiana. And we're covering it in that way. And there's just ways in which you just put a little more thought into it and you're able to think it through in that way. But to bring it full circle on the lead side of it, I understand there was one game ball for Sue Bird. Sue Bird, who then graciously walked over to Sylvia Fowles and gave it to her, Sylvia. So, which is problematic I, in and of itself, right? That reads a little differently than I think maybe the lead and even the team thought. That's the thing. I wonder how conscious the league is sometimes when it comes to these issues. We see, I don't know, the players talk about it over and over and over again. And honestly, it gets to a point where it feels redundant, even though it's not because it's still an issue and it's the mm-hmm. same message falls on deaf ears so we'll keep we'll keep highlighting it we'll keep doing our best to make sure our coverage reflects it in that way um again a lot of positives a lot of negatives here obviously you didn't hear about all of it firsthand insider account from james k who just does incredible work and i just want to take out the moment to just point out this was a lot to process to handle but boy i can't wait to read, edit, and get your story out to the people as well. So thank you for doing this. Showed up on Playback, which we had a great time with that yesterday in the arena. Uh, and we're going to have the writing as well. Multimedia star, James K. Make sure if you're listening instead of watching on YouTube, you are following him at James underscore M underscore K, K-A-Y, that is, on Twitter. Uh, uh, my friend, it's great to see you always. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Howard. This was a blast.
the last thing I just want to leave you with before we go um, to our listeners, I want to thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Uh, something James and I have discovered is that there is another professional league also in Chicago. Um, it's called the, hold on, the National Basketball Association. As I understand it, they are loosely affiliated. They're the, the little brother league of the WNBA. Um, James, did you know the United Center, which was empty, is not going to be empty this fall? There's going to be a team called, forgive me, I'm just going to, the Chicago Bulls, who are going to play there as well. After our last podcast, I had to look it up and see who these Chicago Bulls were. And yeah, they're going to be playing this fall at the United Center. I they are. love to see a slice of that go to the, the W. Based on what I've seen since July 1st, they're probably not going to be playing into the postseason very long but they are it seems uh, going to have a full regular season slate of games uh, obviously you know the WNBA was 36 this year is moving to 40 I assume the NBA schedule is uh, a similar size because that would make sense so I'm just going to take a big swig of water and then just look at how long an NBA season is around mm. mm. the two uh, oh a little bit longer I'm not going to do the spit take I need my computer uh, 82 games but do i we joke obviously but locked on nba does a great job team by team and locked on nba itself it's your daily nba in just 30 minutes nba a wonderful season to watch in between your wnba seasons james k thank you very much for your time we'll be back with you tomorrow and each weekday we've got a very special guest plan i'm not going to even give it away just tune in tomorrow you're going to want to hear somebody who i'm um, mean no disrespect, James, who has a basketball uh, game even more impressive than either of us. <laughs> you can count on that. I will leave it that way. So thank you. All the best. Listeners, enjoy your Monday. I'm Howard Megdahl. We'll be seeing you tomorrow. are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.